From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in... Extra, extra! Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this episode, your nice hosts bring you a Nice Games Bulletin, where we discuss the latest news from the broader world of video games, and maybe a little Star Trek, at least as latest as we're able. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. So we have a lot of Star Trek news to get to today. Oh my god. <laughs> so Dang, I didn't even get to do my intro song. No, it's just this is too important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't stop like running around the room. It's yeah, they so just exciting. they just watched the Star Trek Picard trailer and they're all very, very excited. So it'll be old news by the time you hear this episode from yeah. us. But um, we literally watched it like three minutes ago. The, the New York Comic Con panel is is still going on uh, where yeah. we're, we're uh, recording or, mm-hmm. or it ends in like three minutes or something and they're just releasing some materials and so we said we'll get to that yeah because uh, <laughs> yes. we put it in the proper news segment uh but first we got some uh, also in our timeline here just yesterday steven you showed off a new game of yours yes yeah your play test Tell I us boo, boo, boo. <laughs> yeah i showed off rhythm rumble at play test uh i think i talked about it in a previous episode but i Where the am rumble rumble yes. rumble the rumble <laughs> That's the theme song. Do you want to do the vocals? <laughs> no, um, um, it's going well. I'm doing this for my full-time job. Um, and uh, yeah, we showed it off at Playtest. I mean, I technically showed it off, but when I'm at Playtest, I like have to be on and show people games and stuff. Right, you help run the event. Yes, so I can't like actually show a game. So my, um, the artist is working on the game with me, Sydney. She was the person who signed up for it. Um, she did a good job. Uh, and yeah, it seemed like it was... Mildly well received. <laughs> you it's got some work. So I played it a little bit. Yeah. And I gave you a bit of a hard time. Yeah. I was giving you some feedback, yeah. and you did not seem happy. It's because it's not. It's because other people were also doing that. Get, yeah, but I, I, I have a theory, which is uh-huh. that it's been a while since you've shown off a new game. Yes. So it you, has. you, so you might have forgotten how rough it can be at the start. I have. Right. I did forget. <laughs> it can be real rough. Uh, <laughs> but it's all good, right? No, it's, yeah, it's like I, it's on its way. I got a lot of good feedback. Yeah, and I know, and I have at least some directions on what to do to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I talked to my brother about the game too a bunch, and like he had some suggestions. Um, and I know, like it just a lot of it is like part of it is, I guess, what I like. What one of the goals I want for this game is to make the principles of fighting games more approachable. And I haven't re- quite reached that point yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just have to work at it more to get to that point. Yeah, I was really excited about the 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 setup, yeah. right? The 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 being on a beat because I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, like you, when you play like Guitar Hero or something, like it's basically just following instructions. Yeah, but you still feel like you can like have a lot of like expressiveness, and so that's kind of what I was, what I really hope this can be. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem I had with it a little bit is that it was a fighting game plus that. Yeah, and so it ended up being a larger for me. It's not a fighting game person. Yeah, I suspect as designed. Because you are a fighting game person, yeah. I think if you took it to a bunch of hardcore fighting game people, they would instantly take to it. I think, I think, but I don't know that that's more. what you want from it, right? I, I mean, I, that is part of what I want. Yeah. So, like, I want it to be where people who are into fighting games can get it and pick up on it, and it's like it's not nearly going to be as depth or deep as like Street Fighter. But like, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I would like fighting game players to like get it, um, almost instantly, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also like people who are into rhythm games to feel like they have an advantage over people who like are good at fighting games but not rhythm games yeah in some way i don't think i've gotten that point yet but i think part of it is like i'm not emphasizing the power that 
the rhythm aspect that the game yeah. is putting in your gameplay. Well, that's the new and novel part. So that's yeah. where the most invention happens. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's going to yeah. be the hardest part to yes. get right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. I think part of it too is it was a long night. It's always a long night. When is that play test? I enjoy like you know helping out play tests and stuff, but it's a lot of being on and being social and telling, inver- introducing yourself to people you've never met and being like an active participant in their lives for a moment. And who wants that? Right. <laughs> And it feels like a lot for three hours. So, like, at the end of the night, I think I might have been a little bit more down than I should have been towards work. Uh-huh. That's all. Of course, I was off in the corner just working the whole time. Yeah. Which is, that seems to happen every play test is I'll just be at my desk where everybody else is having fun. Yeah. I don't know why it turns out that way every time. I don't do it on purpose, I yeah. promise. But it's like, yeah, so I feel like a little bit of a humbug sometimes, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, play test is great. Come in anyways. Even if we're a little down the time. Yeah. So if you're in the Minneapolis area, yeah. first Fridays of every month, yes. we have play tests. We've talked about it a lot on the show, um, but we don't always go over the details, kind yeah. of just take it as read. But it's a really important event. Um, if you, you know, if you got a prototype, if you have a polished game, if you're working on a new system and you don't need some feedback, um, or you really just want to come and see what other people are doing and yeah. socialize with other devs. It's really, really a valuable event. So yeah. if you're around and you know, in your community, if you're not from where we're from, and you can't come and play Steven's new game, mm-hmm. um, you know, find something in your area like this or make it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, get some people together because it's incredibly valuable yes. to be able to do that in a, in a way that is like, um, I mean, play tests are great just any way you can swing them, mm-hmm. but having it a way where you can just invite people and have it a different each time and yeah. make it more social and, and, and have it a structured regular thing, um, it goes a long way. Yes. Yeah, last, last night was really awesome because like there were, I think, six new games that yeah. we've never seen before showed up at playtest and not just new games but like new developers who yes. hadn't brought anything before so mm-hmm. really really cool yeah yeah it went really well mm-hmm. I, was, I was excited for it um so should we get to the news yes recent releases honk 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 <laughs> So, well, it's probably the biggest release <laughs> yeah. of, of, of this month, uh, uh, the Untitled Goose Game. Yes. Um, Hog. <laughs> it hasn't just taken over the uh, charts, because it's the number one selling game on Switch in a month that a Zelda game came out. Yeah, wow. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it took over the internet. Uh, with yeah. its, it's very memeable, right? Yes. It was very fun. Also, Martha, it, it, it honks well, right? You can just... Honk. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> There's a dedicated honk button. Yeah. That's pretty important. Um, Steven, you've not played it. I have not, no. Uh, because I'm not a fan of animals. <laughs> <laughs> Despite all of his games having animal pa- protagonists. Yeah, I, I don't know how that how I ended up pulling that to happen. I didn't anticipate that. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, I know I, any of the games I've made that I get paid to do, they don't have animals in them. So there's that. Isn't one of the fighters in your game like a mouse? Uh, it's like dead mouse kind of mouse. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I also am not really interested in like being a jerk as a goose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That seems not fun to me. Yeah. But I, I get I get the appeal. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> um, but y'all have played it, right? Yes. Uh, yes. What, uh, what you Martha, think? you have thoughts. I, I do. I feel like the controversial thoughts. Okay. Um, uh-huh. I feel like the game is better in theory than it is in execution. Mm hmm. Um, so I, I guess I was expecting, um, I think it would be better if it had tighter controls and, and like more hitman esque something the, a little more skill based. Yes. The main problem, my main problem is like I, in this, in the first level you have to make the gardener like get his 
to take his hat off. And mm-hmm. You have to pull his hat off, so you have to get him to like bend over to pick something up. And like getting yourself to be in the correct place so that the like you get the prompt on the hat instead of on other objects that are around and at the correct timing to get that was really dar- difficult. And I had to like, I spent like 10 or like a lot of time. Mm. Most of that level was spent trying to get that done yeah. and all the rest of the things were super fun and, and weird. And so it was like dis like cognitive dissonance or whatever. Cause it was <laughs> like, Oh, this is a fun, funny game, but Oh, now it's super hard. And I dislike this because it yeah. feels like it's not my fault that it was hard because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get the button prompts to happen at the correct times. Yeah. So, um, that's my only criticism. Otherwise, it's super fun to be a very obnoxious goose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I like I, the honking. Like I know you feel like you'd need to cower from the whole internet's love for this game, but having a little bit of that criticism. But I'm with you. I think that there's two types of gameplay in the game. One is a sort of puzzle solving, like because you get this checklist of stuff you have to do, which is already I'm not super excited about. It's yeah. a little just. It's like just the. I feel like there's more that. discovery. I think that it's casual in that way, right? And that's that. I think that's just a matter of taste, right? It's not a. I just wish it was a little bit more uh, intricate than that. So like you got um, achievements once you did a thing instead of having Mm -hmm. to have a checklist of things. Yeah. And there are, there's a secret list of things that it doesn't tell you, but then when you do them, it reveals to you. Mm -hmm. I wish more of the game was just that. So you, it became more of like a, here's a space and how do you navigate it? And now I figured out how to navigate it. How do I manipulate it? And then what is my ultimate goal? Like that is fun to discover, but instead you just get a list of things to do, which is like, it's casual. So I could totally see the design approach there i just kind of wish it wasn't that sure but that's one way to do it you 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 just need to oh you need to um get the gardener to you need to lock the gardener out of the the thing okay so we need to get the gardener out that's great and then we need to find a way to close the thing but he just has the key so he just unlocks it okay so we need to get the key so some of it is actually pretty good puzzly that way right Mm -hmm. and then there are the places where it's it actually is requires some skill like that like the hat or in other cases later in the game where you have to time things right and it seems like the game, the controls and the structure of it are kind of stuck between those two notions where like in a point and click, you have to do things in a certain order and that's the puzzle solving. Mm-hmm. The game has a little bit of that, but it doesn't have enough of that to be uh, that intellectually engaging. Um, and then uh, on the other hand, there's the sort of the hitman style of like making sure you hide at the right time, you know, wait for a certain cycle. And it has a little bit of that, but it's not tight enough of a system for that to really work. And so it gets by on charm because honk, like, (laughs) and and in the end, like, I have to wonder what the design team, when they were coming up with how they do this, I'd like to think to give them the benefit of the doubt is that they, these are conscious decisions Mm -hmm. that they just, the game, they made the game kind of loose and, and not great and not perfect for this or that so that it could just be kind of fun. Yeah. And it, maybe it's maybe it didn't set my you know world on fire, but like, I kind of have to just trust that that's what they wanted to do. But part of me thinks like, oh, I wish they could have maybe d- did a little bit more with the, with the concept, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm looking forward to Goose Game 2 or another game <laughs> similar. It's like, harder. Yes. <laughs> but like, this is also like super inspirational to me, the Goose Game is, because like, it's kind of grammar crime-esque, yeah. like how I was thinking of it is like, like, you know, here is a, a stealthy game mm-hmm. where you have to do all these things. But you're also a goose, like this ridiculous character, and that's kind of the, the like, melding together of things that I want Grandma Cram to be like. Except I want it to be multiplayer and, like, emulating, uh, payday, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I want people to strategize like they would, but the character they're strategizing for will be something <laughs> completely ridiculous. Then that's what that's what I really like about Goose Game is yeah. like 
here's this game that uses all these like mechanics from other types of games, except you're a goose and you get to be really annoying. And the, and the, um, I think the animation and everything of, of the goose is so good. Like it's so perfect for how gooses act, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fluid. Like it's not a complicated, uh, array of animations, but they're all really well blended and it does, it feels pretty, even when you get caught, like uh, in a way that you can tell that the game is kind of clipping you funny. Like it all looks good. Like it all, it's, it's a really nice finesse of, uh, of, of those limited animations and essentially very simple collision detection in a way that makes it all look pretty realistic yeah. in, in the end. I say 10 out of 10 for goose physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I think uh, thinking about this because we are gearing up to, to, to launch widget satchel and the like we now there's a zeitgeist for animals behaving badly yeah (laughs) which is widget satchel's got a bit of that but what's so funny is when we were the concept of widget satchel was like you know this mischievous ferret right Mm so it it seems very aligned to what people love about goose game yeah but at the same time the whole point of goose game is you are a horrible goose yeah right and the thing i always wanted with widget satchel is that ferret uh, that uh, sprocket the ferret is lovable yeah and is ultimately not that like worth the trouble. Yeah. Like I want sprockets worth the trouble. Yeah. The goose is a jerk. Right. And so I, I, I worry about this trying to like, I kind of like, well, you know what? Now's the time to sell a game with, <laughs> with an animal that causes trouble. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, no, not the artist in me is like, it's different. Yeah. You know? I think it is. I yeah. definitely do. Like I enjoy playing as sprocket because like I am causing mischief, but it's all like, playful mischief it's not going to cause anybody any serious harm yeah. well like neither does goose oh i suppose but I, I think it's the intent maybe the intent of the animal yeah yeah i but, feel like the goose just wants to cause mischief because the goose is his jerk but like yeah. mis- uh sprocket likes causing mischief because i think sprocket kind of likes attention and feels like they're playing along with the uh everybody else in the in the space station yeah sprocket doesn't really know any better yeah like <laughs> and that's kind of the point is, is sprocket is confidently going to knock things over and just doesn't realize it's annoying. Yeah. And the goose, that's the thing, the goose, you could describe the goose that way as well, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is about the positioning of the game. Like it, it's, it's a, a, it's you play as a horrible goose. That's yeah. a tagline of the game. And absent that, you could interpret it differently. Yeah. So it's actually a really important way of like how you talk about your game and how you present it is as important as the content of it itself. That's true. You know, you could certainly, the, the goose could be sort of an innocent rascal that the town folk are just like, ah, it's that goose. Oh, you know, I've, I've always got to deal with that goose. But like, you know, it's just, it's a local thing. It's, you know, it's part of the charm of the town. Yeah. But that's not what the, what the, the game is telling you it is, or rather not what the sort of the, the, the messaging around the game is the yeah. messing around the game is like this freaking goose, <laughs> like Ugh, you know, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's fun and that has its own sort of charm and. Mm, it, but and it that, breaks the whole town together. Something that they can rally against. <laughs> something they can all chase after. Yeah. yeah, that's the goose's goal in the end yeah. is to and bring the town together. And that's the right choice for that, right? Yeah, is you you do kind of want to you like it you want to role play as a jerk that that is beneficial to the way that they've they've done it mm-hmm. um i just yeah so sometimes i'm like oh it's, a, it's cool we could you know try to catch that wave of attention but like no no yeah it's a game about q really if you think about it <laughs> yeah that would be a good transition to the Star Trek, but we have also other things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. game, well, so, so um, overshadowing uh, what was supposed to be the biggest launch of this month, yeah, Link's Awakening. That came out. Yeah. Uh, um, I think we might have talked about it. We've talked about this in a previous episode, but not in a previous bulletin yet. Yeah. Um, I finished it. Ah. You guys finished it yet? No. I haven't bought it. I haven't even played it. Uh, I never I never played it on Game Boy, so okay. it was all brand new to me. Yeah. I like how old-fashioned it is, because okay. it really is just a straight remake. Mm. Like, it all looks different, and they, you know, they added some quality of life stuff, like all the 
extra buttons are put to good use. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, good. Yeah, just imagining how you can control the massive amount of inventory items on two buttons. Oh, which is you're like, oh, well, I still have to do that X and Y on the switch. You you map to different things, yeah. but. A and B and L are permanent items, but in the original Game Boy game, those three had to be swapped out as well. Oh. So you could only, even lifting something up had to be equipped. Oh, wow, really? It, it's, I mean, I, it's surprising how complicated that game would fit on a Game Boy, and I'm just, oof, I'm glad I never played it, I guess. But <laughs> um, I really liked it, and I liked how, yeah, I liked how old fashioned it was, and okay. it just felt like a, um, it, it was still, it's a robust campaign, but. Um, it's sort of unburdened by modernisms, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I was sort of into it. Okay. Uh, my, uh, one of my coworkers, Jason, he, uh, he played the original one. Yeah. So he was really excited for this new one. And when he was playing it though, he was really disappointed by the, I, he, he felt like it was basically the same game. Yeah. And so like all of the stuff that he was frustrated with when he was playing it as a kid. Same remembered? issues. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, they could have changed some of this. Uh, <laughs> well, people would have complained. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like he was disappointed with the frame rate of the game. It seems like it chugs in a lot of instances. Yes. Um, yeah. And I was watching my brother play it and like he was playing it on the TV and it was like still chugging whenever he switched areas. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I normally have an issue with, but like it, I feel like it's it's constantly switching between not laggy and laggy. Yeah, supposedly um, some some folks have taken a, a, a modded switch. Mm-hmm. So the switch has uh, resolution modes. Right? Yeah. The handheld 720 TV is 1080. Right. It also has uh, um, performance modes. In handheld, it, it clocks down the GPU. Yeah. And in uh, 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 docked mode, it clocks it up, mm-hmm. basically to account for the resolution difference. Yeah. You cannot put it into boost mode in handheld. It's just not it's not designed for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, someone took a modded switch and was able to do that, uh, um, and actually it runs a little runs okay okay handheld uh yeah. you know it's so um it's curious to to see like they just maybe ran out of time or something mm. i don't know but uh, people seem to be confused as to what the problem is but yes it does i think the because the whole overworld streams in like block for block so it's all okay. um i think as you go from section to section it'll just like it'll go drop down to like 20 frames yeah for just a couple of seconds the benefit is it's not like an action game. It's not, yeah. it's not, I mean, I mean, Breath of the Wild had its share of frame rate issues in particular areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it, there's nothing unplayable about even the worst of it. Yeah. So I, I, I was, it, it caught my notice and it was, conf- it was almost confusing just because it's Nintendo. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, how did this happen? But it didn't really bother me. Didn't, okay. didn't really hurt my appreciation of it. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, I haven't played it, but like mm-hmm. I just did notice that every time. And like it, it's, I found it, I found it striking that like I don't normally notice frame rate issues. And so, like, yeah, me seeing it was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so that's why. That's why I was. The like, main thing is I can't use that as an excuse to for frame rate issues in, in my own work. The only one <laughs> yeah. Nintendo did it on one of their flagship titles. It's, yeah. People won't notice. <laughs> nah, but I, we won't get the you know the the leeway that Nintendo gets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for totally. that. Um, Gears Five is on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, well, so free. we talked about this, I think, on the last bulletin that was coming out or something, but yeah. um, and I, I don't think any of us played it, right? No, I haven't played it. Um, but I did read an interesting article, and we'll find that and put it in the show notes, just about um, the game director saying that they needed to change the design of it because it's on Game Pass, which means for a lot of people it's free, uh-huh. uh, or essentially free, right? Yeah. And so um, when you buy a game, this was the... the this is the posit in the article is that when you buy a game, you, you're, you're sunk $60. Right. So you're going to finish the game. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're invested in it. Right. But when you get it for free, you'll play for 10 minutes and like, it's no loss if you don't want to finish it. Yeah. And so it was just interesting talking about how like this standard single player campaign game, how to, how to think about players who are little less invested and to keep their attention a little more, okay. almost like a free to play title has to do. 
Um, and so I thought that was an interesting approach for for something like that. And, and in you know in the inevitable future where every all of our games are subscription based <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, <laughs> either th- either through like platform holders like you know Apple Arcade or whatever mm-hmm. or Game Pass or because our games themselves have this. If that's the future we're marching towards, we should really think about how players. You know, what's the decision point when they decide to play our game? Yeah. Um, uh, how much of their attention do we have? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's sad, but it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating. The more you know about it, the better you can be prepared for that future. Yeah. <laughs> if it does, if it does finally uh, eat us all. Yeah. Yes. It, yes. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, what the golf is a golf game about not knowing what golf is. <laughs> kind yeah, of. It has the perfect tagline. Yeah. It's. A golf game made by people who are made for people who hate golf by people who don't understand golf. Yeah, <laughs> which is like that's totally my jam. Um, I yeah. played this at a GDC right, some I time ago. You said you loved I've it. talked about it on the show before. I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Yeah, so I'm gonna pick that up for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Obra Din is on consoles, which is pretty great because I might want to pick it up. It's on Switch too, right? Yep. Yeah. I think all the consoles will be out this month, okay. if not already. That uh, would be. I think that would be a pretty good game to play on the Plus. Does it? Does it have really good music? Um. Yes. Okay. Um. It's. I might miss out for, on the music. It's then. repetitive. Um, ah, okay. You're probably okay. Okay. Not listening to it. Um, okay. You should. You know. Go on YouTube and find some. Listen to it for a little bit. Just yeah, to get sure. the gist of it. But right, right, right. you're okay missing it for, for the gameplay. Okay. It's it's about mood setting. But if you're on the bus, you're already ab- abandoned a little yeah. bit of that. So <laughs> I, I don't care at that point. Yeah. 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 Uh, cool. Okay. Um, John Wick Hex is out, which is a game about John Wick, but yeah. it's like a strategy game, right? Yeah. I'm super uninterested in this because I don't like action movies and mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I remember you watched John Wick and you were like, what? This movie sucks. And I was like, <laughs> Because I think you were talking about like the narrative of it. And I was like, why are you talking about the narrative of John Wick? People love those movies because they have this like this emotional or visceral feel. A little. Yeah. It's like and it's a spectacle. Mm-hmm. And like, I guess I shouldn't be totally discounting it, but it doesn't work on me. But sure. it's dog. I, that, that doesn't work on me either. <laughs> That's like, I mean. But Mark, his dog. <laughs> His dog is all of like I'm just supposed to believe they have this relationship. Like, yeah, I, I mean, yes. If you murder a dog, then you should be punished <laughs> <laughs> to the full ex- fullest extent of an action uh, uh, hero. But yes. uh, like, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So this game is made by Mike Bithell, mm-hmm. um, who did uh, um, uh, Thomas Was Alone right, yeah. and uh, the uh, uh, Circular Games. Yes, and yes. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his work and. Um, and so I'm like, I should at least check it out. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm so turned off by the licensed content. Sure. I'm happy if people want it. Like as, if people love John Wick and, and want to play this game, but it's also all the preview events it's been at. People say it's a really, really good game. Okay. So I feel like I should give it a little bit more attention than I've given it. Just pretend it's just Keanu Reeves and not John Wick. <laughs> see, that doesn't, see, I'm excited about the Bill and Ted movie that's coming out because yeah. I watch those. Pretend uh, that it's whichever one he is. <laughs> but I, to. I, maybe I, I'm just outing myself as a, against everything that people love, but like, I don't know why people like Keanu Reeves so much. He seems like a cool guy, but like, that's the end of the story. He's the coolest guy. He gave all his money to, uh, like his whole salary for one of the Matrix movies to the animators mm-hmm. of the Matrix movies because he's like, you guys did all the stuff. It was, I wasn't, that uh-huh. wasn't me. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mainly he's like super him. chill. Yeah, I mainly yeah. like him because he's charming. Yeah. That's no, I, reason. I, I, have no, I have no argument with the things people <laughs> like about him. I just feel like, I've got my own life to lead. I don't need to. Oh, need yeah. To pr- no, I'm not jumping on the, the whole like fan yeah. wagon that everybody else is on, but like, he seems all right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but I'm 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 kind of interested in this game too. At least how it yeah like how it plays and stuff. I'm curious about that. Yes, yeah. I don't know how you can get like how how are they how do they make 
how do they get what John Wick is in a strategy setting? Is yeah, that's the thing about. people have said is as much as I'm not interested in that being successful, mm -hmm. the people who do care about the feel of those movies yeah. say that for a game that is not essentially like a first person shooter, yeah. it somehow really captures the feel of it. So cool. that's the that we've talked about um, in, before about licensed stuff, but mm -hmm. getting the tone of it right. seems like they've done a really good job here. Yeah. So Yeah, I feel like a John Wick movie would not do well as an action game, I think. Now that yeah. I think about it, just because like, the way that uh, a lot of action games work is that you feel like super powerful. And the way John Wick works is that he is super powerful, but like uh -huh. he gets beat down all the time. Right. It's like he deserves his power. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, action movies in general, yeah. as a filmmaking experience or film-going experience, it's all very choreographed, right? Yeah. The, it's the ballet of bullets or whatever. Yeah. The, you know, John Woo nonsense. But like <laughs> um, video games are much more chaotic, mm -hmm. even the ones where you are super powerful. Yeah. So I, 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 I could see the instinct to be like, let's try something different yeah. with this kind of franchise. Yeah. So it seemed like they figured it out. Yeah, I'm really curious. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ring Fit Adventure is out. Not now, but it'll be out in a couple of weeks. Um, which I'm excited for because mm -hmm. I, I was uh, I, I liked um, We Fit You and stuff so I want to try this one out again yeah I've been trying to figure out a way to exercise more and I think this is a good enough an excuse <laughs> yeah I kind of want to do it too mm -hmm. but I'm like I don't really have an, I don't I don't have enough time to just to play video games regularly yeah <laughs> so how am I going to make time for this well they've they, um, I don't know did you watch the whole seven minute eight minute long trailer or whatever they had oh I don't know about it that long I've, it was I've seen video. some content yeah um, well they talked about like how they uh built some modes where you can just do a few mini games uh, and like okay. you can just play like 15 minutes or something here. oh see that won't work for me i need yeah. to like i need to do like a campaign well i mean like, they have a campaign too but like, yeah 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 so like i am just beyond repair like <laughs> yeah you can't get me i i don't know i want to i just don't okay work. well i mean if if you want to try it i'll have it probably so like oh yeah i have to oh that's a good idea yeah <laughs> <laughs> martha does it excite you yeah i think yeah. it's it looks really cool i'm mm -hmm. excited to see like I want to be able to see more of what it's like before yeah. I invest in it, but well, it you can borrow cool. Stevens too when exactly. I'm done with it. Yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> cool. I'll never get to play it. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I love toys and accessories yeah. and stuff, even even the dumb ones. So I like that's part of the appeal too. Yeah, sure. Um, Luigi's Mansion Three is coming out next month. All oh, right, because it comes out on October 31st. Uh huh. That day. It's just the day. <laughs> yep. Spooky. Right. Uh, it, it looks cool. <laughs> Not Halloween. Halloween sucks. Uh -huh. <laughs> but like Luigi's Mansion Three looks cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in that. I don't know that I will buy it though. Uh, I don't know. It looks cool. I think I already pre-ordered. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, how about we just trade games? <laughs> yeah. Good. That's it. I did that uh, Nintendo has a little voucher thing. Oh, you, yeah. You, if you buy, it's like a two-pack voucher and you save some money on games. And I'm like, right. I'm just going to buy these games. Like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of pre-ordering, but if mm -hmm. I'm going to save that much money on a game, I know I'm going to get. Yeah. So I think I, I think I did that for this one. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. We, we should have a topic on pre-ordering one day, but like, mm -hmm. that's how I approach pre-orders. I know if I know I'm going to get this game, then pre-ordering it makes sense. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. I don't do it. I think I've said this on the show before, but I got, I really loved Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. And I had a hard time with the 3DS sequel. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason was is because it was handheld and it's hard to do that. The game is kind of slow. Yeah. And they did a, they did a lot to make it more bite-sized. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I, I, I applaud them for that, but it was still hard to keep up with. Yeah. I think uh, a, a console. So I'm really looking forward to that again on a console. Well, I did play this thing at E3. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like it was more arcadey than the first one. I didn't play the oh, second okay. one. So it I felt it felt more fast to pace than the first. Well, the 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 second party studio that did the second one is also doing the third. Right. One. So there might be some similarities for that reason. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it was still cool, but I, it felt it definitely did feel different from the first yeah. game. Um, 
Not in a bad way, just in a different way. Yeah. Martha, do you ever play Luigi's Mansion? No. Did you have any interest in it at all as a franchise? Um, Feels like a weird side thing unless you really love it already. Yeah. Yeah, I I am not like super into it. So like I don't I don't even know if I owned a console that wait, it was on three DS, you said? It was on GameCube and then three DS. Yeah, I I mean, I had those, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, okay. It just yeah. wasn't. I mean, Mario was already a stretch because I hate Mario. <laughs> oh, that's right. So his kid brother <laughs> or older brother or whatever, just that was another another thing removed. Right. It. So, sure. Plus, it's spooky and I don't like yeah. scary games. It, it, so. it, I will admit that the first game did scare me. I was like. 12 or something but that's not much of an excuse because that game is for kids <laughs> yeah it's so. as scary as casper the friendly ghost essentially there's a couple actually jump that, moments, but casper don't even get me started on casper. <laughs> okay halt the show let's get into this okay <laughs> that ghost is the saddest thing ever i cried at uh-huh. every my grandparents had it on vhs like episodes of casper yeah, yeah. oh my god no no thank you <laughs> Every single time his little animal companion, like the story goes, uh-huh. he's a ghost. He yeah. finds an animal companion. The animal companion dies. Wow. And then he also oh, becomes a ghost. It is so sad. <laughs> oh, dang it. Casper, the depressing ghost more like. <laughs> Friendly but depressing. Well, okay. So Luigi's Mansion is a little more upbeat than that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I'm with you, Steven. I hate Halloween. Mm-hmm. I'm like, address your letters. But yeah. like, um, but I like Luigi. So. Yeah, yeah, Luigi's great. Oh, Luigi. That was enough for He's me. He's the boss. Yeah. Uh, yes, um, that is all of the releases. I guess we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can like sit back and have y'all talk about Star Trek for a bit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Star Trek news. <laughs> so much Star Trek news. <laughs> so first thing, Martha, uh, that Picard trailer. Yes, yes, which we were just about to record and we're like, oh, they didn't put out the trailer yet. And they're like, oh, it's out. Okay, let's halt recording and watch the trailer. So we've seen it. It's very cool. Uh-huh. I'm sure you all have seen it by now, but it's awesome. And Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis are in it and yeah. it's amazing. And, and I, Seven has two blaster rifles. Oh and it's my like, God. <laughs> it's like it's super fun. I don't know. I'm very excited. Yeah. This makes me even more excited for Picard, which is bad because I need to have low expectations so uh-huh. they don't get broken. But like, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I, think, I might go. I might actually subscribe to CBS All Access. Just <gasps> get it. Oh, that's a, a <sighs> scandal. I know. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think, I mean, just Jonathan Frakes being back is really cool. And I like that he just was, he's like this fuddy-duddy old dude in a cabin. Like, they did the same gag in Star Trek Generations, right? Where Kirk is just a, a guy in a cabin cooking eggs or something. And they do the same thing with Tony Stark in the Avenger movie. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he's reti- he goes to a cabin and just, like, and so it's almost a cliche. And so normally I'm not, I'm just kind of rolled my eyes at it. But for some reason, it worked on me this time. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I totally buy that. Like, Riker's probably too old to still be an admiral. So, like, sure, just give him a house. Like, just let him live his life, you know? And then he can, uh, you know, give it and some good advice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, whatever. I love, you know, all their adventures on the Titan have all been passed now, I guess. And, or they're just on leave. I don't know. Who's to say? It's true they could be just on leave. We don't get much context. Yeah, it's just you see them in such casual wear that it really feels like they're retired. <laughs> But who knows, right? There's a great scene of uh, Picard and Riker, like arm in arm, uh, sitting at the end of a dock. Just two uh, old guys hanging out. It's very cute. It's adorable. Yeah. I'm very excited. 
Apparently, also, there was news that Discovery is going to be going to Trill, which yes. is very exciting. So DS9 fans in the audience will know that Jadzia Dax and later Ezri Dax, the Trill, joined Trill species. It's a couple episodes where you learn a little bit about the Trill homeworld. And there's some of the behind-the-scenes photos they, they released for Discovery Season 3 shows them going to the symbiont pools on Trill. And I don't think there's any further context, but Martha and I are assuming what? That maybe Dax is there. Maybe. Uh, so yeah, if you don't, Steven's like, I don't care. <laughs> Y'all are saying terms, I think. <laughs> this, all, this all just sounds like Greek, I think, to people who don't understand uh, the the potential significance. Yeah, I mean, I what I do appreciate is that y'all are very excited about this thing. <laughs> Thank you, Steven. We're so excited. We have to pause our our video game podcast to talk about it because <laughs> this is frankly more important to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also saw the first of the Short Treks episodes. So the Short Treks are just little short films that they released originally. The a first batch of them was between season one and two, and it was one a month leading up to season two. So it was kind of a very clever strategy for them for people to sign up for CBS Hell Access, I think, um, to get them to sign up a little earlier, probably. But uh, they were really fun. The original four of them. They were just they were filmed on the sets they already used, and they were made cheaply. They're all little sort of vignettes, uh, the stories you couldn't tell in the middle of an episode because they're all kind of like interesting and sort of one note and kind of like side stories. So they're doing it again this year and there's six of them this year, which is really cool. And they're not all uh, discovery based. Some of them, I guess it will be, uh, there's going to be an animated one or something. I don't know all the details. Mm. The first of them was released during the panel today and we watched it together and it was uh, Spock and number one on the Enterprise. Uh, For those of you who've seen the second season of Discovery, a lot of it takes place with the Enterprise crew before Kirk. And so we get a little bit more of that. It's actually a further flashback. And it was kind of silly. Steven, you liked it, right? Yeah, I actually watched this one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought it was entertaining. I, I didn't understand any of the context. I knew who Spock was, but I don't know who, what was it, number it's, one? Yeah, there's a lot for like hardcore fans yeah. to like be like, I get it. Like a lot of that. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm glad it worked on someone who wasn't hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Though I was under the impression the whole time that Spock and number one were going to make out or something. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> They're, they're, tra- really they're trapped close. in an elevator together, yeah, and, and know, that's just what happens. Yep, that's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I thought. But well, in the end, they do end up having a sort of a, a, you know a deep admiration for each other yeah. in, in the way that only two cold logical dorks can. <laughs> right? <laughs> Martha, you were less enthralled by it. It seemed. Well, I'm just not as uh, enthralled with that era of Star Trek. It's not my yeah. jam, but. I mean, I thought it was a good episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah. And I also thought they were going to make out. And I was like, that's weird and not good because they he's an ensign and she's the first officer. And yeah, that would right. just be bad. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Even though I was yelling Mike out at the screen the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's giving a lot of uh, fan fiction writers to, uh, you know, material yeah. to work with for decades, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that all our Star Trek news? I think so. Uh, they said the Picard air date was January 23rd, 2020. So yeah. expect uh, another Star Trek yep. interlude in your video game news. We might have to do a whole spin-off show. Yes. <laughs> I'll be uh, outside. Do <laughs> <laughs> we have any gaming news or are we just done with the episode now? <laughs> <laughs> There's gaming news, y'all. Yeah. Uh, there was some union news. Yeah, this uh, is important stuff. Martha, you've got the rundown on all this, right? Yeah. Um, so. Um, First, I guess Kickstarter is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the union, uh, the employees of Kickstarter uh, have formed a union or are trying to form an official union. 
And um, the company is being super not great about it, Mm -hmm. um, which is sad because it's supposed to be a platform about coming together and making cool things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But apparently uh, they don't understand how hypocritical they're being. Um, And so um, so they actually did some really awful things. Um, They fired the three main like organizers of the union and tried to claim that they didn't fire them because of that, even though it's super obvious that they did. Like right. there's no other way. Because it's illegal to fire somebody for, for doing union organizing, mm-hmm. right? It, it, that, that is protected, specifically protected speech in the United States. So, but when you are forming a union and your, your company is uh, hostile towards that idea. Yeah. Um, you have to like then be the best employee ever because you can get fired for literally any other reason. So yeah. like you're late one day and they're like, oh, you're out. That's why. Ha ha. Yeah. 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 Even though it's actually um, about all, all about your union organizing, they wouldn't have cared otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that super sucks. And then the Kickstarter union formally requested uh, voluntary recognition of their union, which is there's two ways to unionize. Officially, it's one the company recognizes it voluntarily, and the other one is um, going through the NL, NLRB, the National Labor Board, mm-hmm. um, which uh, for unions is better to go just the voluntary recognition route because mm-hmm. it's a lot simpler for people to just to say yes. They just have to sign a card, and then the they're counted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to just be a simple majority, I'm pretty sure. And with the NLRB, you have to do all this voting and secret ballots and everything like that. And they have these mandatory time limits, like, like things you have to wait for these things. And in that time, the company has every opportunity to bash the union and, and intimidate people out of, even though they're not supposed to, like that's another thing they're not supposed to do, but of course they will uh, intimidate people out of, uh, doing the the process because it's a more involved process, yeah. right? And uh, companies do have the right to lobby for whatever their position in the matter is, and so you. But because they ha- the power dynamic is such as it is, that ends up just by virtue of it happening at all, it ends up being easily abused. Yes. and that does happen quite a lot. Um, so unfortunately, they did not voluntarily recognize the union, so now it's being forced into this other way, which mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. Um, hey, Kickstarter. Don't do that. <laughs> and I mean, this is gaming related, not just because a lot of, you know, uh, games go through Kickstarter, but because this is a kind of startup model that exists in the game industry as well. Yes. And so it's, it's a, it's a, people are looking to it to see like, you know, similar cases elsewhere. Sure. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we'll be watching that. They haven't called, like the union hasn't called for a, a boycott of Kickstarter. So you should continue to, um, at least not yet. You should check their, they have a Twitter account. We'll link into the show notes. You should check to see what, and follow their lead on what, what to do on that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but as of now, of this recording, um, they haven't called for a boycott. So continue to, to support the projects that you want to support on Kickstarter, but maybe also sign the petition uh, against them and, and support the union because it's important. Um, another in other not great union news, um, us two, the makers of Monument Valley, uh, and the recently released, um, it's where you put things together. 
Uh, oh, is, uh, Assemble with Care? Assemble with Care. Ah, yeah. It came out on Amp Arcade, right? Yes. And so I haven't gotten oh, a dang, chance to play. I wanted play. to play that. I know. Um, it looks really good. But um, right now they're being kind of a, a jerks. Um, not mm-hmm. nice. Right, um, they've sort of come out in no uncertain terms. They're like, we're anti-union. You know, you know. Oh, really? What are you going to do? Fight us? Did they I, actually do that? I think so. I'm not overstating so the I, case, am I? I, I? I don't know. I read an article too about it, and this one seemed more ambiguous than it sounds like the Kickstarter situation was. Oh, but okay. I, uh, I, I mean, to be fair, I haven't read a lot about like people f- getting fired because they were trying to organize a union. I might be characterizing the reaction, okay, to it, yeah, uh, rather than the actual messaging from, from them. Sure, yeah, I only read the original like Game Workers Unite tweet and mm-hmm. they seem they're generally pretty radical about stuff so oh yeah like, well that I take one, it with a little that bit that of one was exaggerated yeah <laughs> but um and then i read an article on it and it seemed like it wasn't necessarily cut and dry a firing due to unionization okay that's i mean but that's only the impression i got i don't know that it, and i didn't read into it a ton so mm-hmm. it might um that might not actually be the case but that's what i had to say about it <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's interesting that as time goes on, we see more and more of these types of stories because these sort of mid-level AA studios, like the mobile companies that, that had big successes and are trying to be sustainable, mm-hmm. like they start to become going concerns and in the, that they're you know operating companies. And eventually they become big enough where like they need to have proper labor relations. They're no longer just scrap a bunch of scrappy people you know, renting some office space and, you know, and, um, and running on borrowed time. Yeah. They're now like a real thing. And so, um, you see more and more of this in gaming, mm-hmm. uh, emails obtained by the IWGB, which is, I think the, the union apparently show bosses complaining about, um, the workers decision to spend time on company feedback, diversity schemes and working practices and for putting management on the spot. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, not great. <laughs> okay. well, so they may feel that they sort of caught off, um, um, off foot on on some of those issues, but maybe missing the fact that they're important issues. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that their game got featured this week as supporting diversity mm-hmm. uh, and stuff in games is kind of hypocritical too. Right. Right. After they just fired someone for trying to stand up for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And that person is also in danger of getting deported because their their visa status is so is all just not great. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, this is sort of inevitable. Like that that that. Um, I mean, imagine yourself as management. Really, you're just you. You had a great idea. You put a good team together. You made something cool, mm-hmm. and then you have to keep it going. Yeah. And then suddenly you 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 become successful long enough to be the bad guy. Yeah. I I, I want to have some sense of like perspective and maybe even sympathy. Uh, for how people can be put in this position as to the actions they take once that happens. If I think there's not a lot of sympathy to be had at that point, I think you need to, if you're not able to learn what it means to be responsible management, then mm-hmm. you sort of get no quarter from me. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have some sympathy for how you get yourself in that position. Um, and yeah. I, I don't know that that matters a lot in terms of how you approach these stories, but it helps to think about, like to understand a full picture um, to give context to your outrage. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Has, has any of you seen Superstore yet? Not yet. Show? No. Dang it. Okay. Last <laughs> season, they had like a whole arc about this kind of, about unionizing. Yeah. Like people in the store were trying to unionize and stuff. And Amy, who's been, who used to be just a regular employee, she got promoted to manager. She just got the position. So she was trying to crack down on it because she didn't want people to lose their jobs and she didn't want, she didn't want to lose her own job. Yeah. I mean, she just got promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so like there was a whole arc about like her conflict with that and like um her the person she's dating and stuff in this was actually starting the union and stuff and so like there was a whole conflict Ooh, and it was really it was really interesting and <laughs> yeah. engaging and nobody's watching that show and i'm really sad about it <laughs> um and they're and they're uh, like they're talking about it for this season too so yeah. like well that gets yeah. to the point a lot of times that you that when you do try to explore these situations you're like well you know if if a company gets in a position where they are unsustainable un, uh, if they were to have a union labor force yeah then is it responsible as a society for us to let them get in that situation in the first place mm-hmm. right. right like they their growth was unsustainable then they shouldn't have right. been able to hire the people if they weren't going to be able to pay them so right. what the, remedies and mechanisms do we have to say that well if you were to reunionize this labor force then the the company would collapse and they would all lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants that, but like that feels like giving up. If, yeah. if if you just if you just say that, well, well, I guess there's nothing we can do. Um, but that's what happens a lot of times is that you, you these companies do grow in a way that is not mindful of the requirements that, that they need to uh, um, uh, submit to. Yeah. Uh, until it's too late to to acquiesce uh without without and then they have the, an honest position whereas if like listen if we give you health insurance if we pay you a, a fair wage then we're all going to lose our jobs and that yeah. might i mean it's usually not true if you know sometimes that might be their honest position their honest feeling mm-hmm. and i think it's difficult to have and that's why like um uh, uh union negotiators you'll see this a lot of times at least in, in old uh, world sectors um, that they do tend to, they'll negotiate uh, rates down to keep a company afloat. Mm-hmm. Like it's important that unions need to have a seat at the table for these discussions yeah. so that it isn't just workers versus management, yeah. right? And that's the important part of having the infrastructure of, of unions is so that the, that if those concerns are real, then they can be assessed with all perspectives in mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that just the, these companies are not big enough to support that infrastructure. And so it tends to be a lot more adversarial than it, maybe should be but then again there's like that infrastructure does also could cost union dues and like yeah. there's a, a lot that ends up being difficult to manage so like all the people who are uh, leading these efforts to unionize these workplaces like the task in front of them is so enormous and they yes. could use any support that you know if it's emotional support or just tweets like those it's like it's you know we need all our efforts behind these these things because it's so so hard yeah um, like harder than you even imagine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop having not nice news on this show. Right? Not nice news. <laughs> not nice news. Should we just skip the other part of the union news? <laughs> this one more thing. We did have another not nice union news, but we can skip that one, right? Okay. Martha, yeah. what do you think? I don't care. <laughs> okay, skipping it. Uh, <laughs> Long uh, story short, just more bad gearbox news. <laughs> so basically, yeah. You kind of get the gist. All right, moving uh, on. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so here's some cool things. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Sherl, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name. Uh, she's been, we talked about her before. She did like that tweet about um, what things that games do to like trick their audience into thinking they're really cool. I, I, I'm not describing it very well, but <laughs> she's great. Uh, she made an article on, on, uh, on Polygon that was mm-hmm. about difficulty. Um, you know, that difficulty had been brought up. Uh, I guess it had been brought up again because Death Stranding released uh, some more information about like what uh, the game has and what the game actually is. Mm-hmm. I still don't really understand it. There's like baby battery cells and something. I don't. It's too much for me. I don't care. But <laughs> and also um, in Celeste, they yeah. changed the wording of their. That's right. Yeah. Of their um, thing because people pointed out that it could 
it could come off as condescending. And so they reworded it to be like, we expect this game to be challenging. So we have these things so that you can make the game fit that model better for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's a lot of how this article works, because I think a lot of times when we talk about as game developers, when we talk about difficulty, we're talking about a different thing than a game player is talking about. Yeah. Um, And I think that's part of the disconnect. Because like uh, when like every time a new Dark Souls esque game comes out, people are like, "Oh, it's too hard. Add an easy mode." And then other and some developers and other people are like, "If you add an easy mode, then it'll ruin the experience for people." And you know, there's a back and forth. But what I think what a lot of developers are trying to say is that like they want uh, players to experience a certain or experience the game in a certain way, not necessarily to make it difficult, but um, so they can have like a certain there's like a narrative arc that they need to experience in the game through the mm-hmm. mechanics of the game. Um, and like the way dark souls works really is that like you keep getting beaten down, but you learn about your encounters and stuff. And then you can use that knowledge to eventually win. Um, and that's what um, that's, that's like the way that that game works. And so like um, by making it um, and by changing the difficulty so that you can, you can easily beat any encounter that would mess necessarily that would mess up that flow. Um, and so, like, uh, there are ways to make it more accessible so people can, people who have a harder time um, with that loop can get into the game better. But I think that this article does a really good job of explaining what a developer's mindset is when they're trying to uh, get that, figure out that flow, figure out what it is, what kind of experience the player wants. Um, and why we, why, when we're talking about difficulty, maybe using the term difficulty isn't the right way to mm-hmm. describe these, these kinds of concepts we're considering. Um, it's really good you should read it I'm not doing the best job of explaining it so read it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like like the way that the two the two um, viewpoints can come together Mm -hmm. is like okay so the developer wants you to have the specific emotion and the specific experience playing the game but because your body is the way it is or your you know experience is the way it is as a as a person with different needs than than the developer thinks about Mm -hmm. um to make the game like the way that it is just out of the box is actually a different emotion for that or a different experience for that player than the developer actually wants. Like the yeah. developer doesn't want them to never be able to beat it. Yeah. Like that's what we don't want people to not be able to play. Mm-hmm. So really the, the difficulty settings and, and different things are for making, making the experience the developer wants. And I think that's the way that the, the two viewpoints can come together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and what this article talks about too. Yeah, it does a good job of describing a lot of that stuff in light of what Martha was saying too. Yeah, it's, as designers, we want to work towards ultimately a subjective impression, mm-hmm. not necessarily like a technical ideal. Yeah, or yeah. something. And I think it's really easy when you're when you're in the weeds programming these things. Uh, yes. it gives really difficult to um, to know that. Yeah, there was a lot of emphasis in the in the article about like trust how the player um, trusts the developer to create the experience that they're looking for mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just all really good read it <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to describe it more because it'll get people to not read it uh, yes uh rocket league kind of removes removes loot boxes sort of is maybe? this nice news uh you put kind of okay headline. yeah they kind of did in that like you know how loot boxes work you buy a under thing. the th- the watchful eye of european regulators <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah they, they're changing it because like you know there's some there's some stuff going down yeah. about making loot boxes uh-huh. So um, the way that they change it is most of the time with loot boxes, when you buy the thing, you don't know what you're going to get. 
Um, the way Rocket League changed it is that you, when you win a game or whatever, instead of getting a loot box, you get a blueprint. And so you know exactly what that thing is, and then you can purchase that blueprint. So it's still microtransactions, but like you know what you're going to get out of oh, it. Oh, but so the, not- the randomization happens before you buy. Yes, exactly. It's still weird. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's still like you still have to play the game a bunch and grind, and then like maybe you, you might get the thing you want, you might not, but like you at least know before you make the purchase that this is the thing you want to get. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's a thing. Better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it sounds like it should. I mean, I don't know, but it sounds like it, it does remove some of the impulse people have to yeah. put a coin and pull the lever. Yeah, right? they were it's saying the, that um, they're, they're adding more things you can purchase, like an additional store or something to offset some of the costs or some of the lost money. It's money funny because like, ultimately, I don't think the solution is to sell more nonsense. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> But like it's very different to to know what I guess I don't know it might actually incentivize me to buy a thing because I usually don't mm-hmm. um, if I knew exactly what it was yeah yeah right. I guess like the gamble comes from how much time you want to spend trying to get the game you're trying to purchase instead of or trying to get the thing you're trying to purchase mm-hmm. instead of how much money do you want to spend right yeah. and ultimately the the business model for loot boxes is a lot of money from whales exactly zero money from most people mm-hmm. which is how it escapes the ire of most gamers is like well it's not it's not ripping me off but in this way it might like Martha you were saying it might encourage more people to buy a few things mm-hmm. and that might actually be more uh, more profit ultimately and maybe that's ethically better um maybe it's not that much different i, I mean know. i th- i think the problems still stand with the microtransaction yeah. thing but i could see how this this would encourage people to, like less it would it wouldn't encourage the like spend two thousand dollars that you don't actually have yeah right right Instead, it becomes more of an uh, a more honest market which has yeah. always been my problem like i don't like microtransactions generally mm-hmm. I, I even cosmetics i don't have a, i don't like but if there's an understanding between seller and purchaser that is an honest transaction i have i have a much less of a problem with it sure. and so that seems like this is closer to that yeah so it is good news. So nice news. <laughs> um, uh, Martha, I don't know much about this one, but you were saying that Destiny 2 had a bunch of big changes and they did a good job with them? Yeah, so I think a lot of people were mad on Twitter about the changes, but you I mean th- a lot of people were wrong on Twitter. <laughs> yes, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so Destiny 2 um, changed from it all simultaneously released a new path or like a new expansion Changed servers mm-hmm. from um, Blizzard's launcher and servers to Steam's launcher and etc. And made the game free to play all in one weekend. Wow. <laughs> um, or one week. And they were down one day, pl- one planned day, and then like three hours the next day, huh. which I think for doing all of those things is an incredibly short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Hot. The, I think I think the number that I read was like three hundred thousand people were playing the first day because it was suddenly free to play. Mm-hmm. And like when a game turns free to play, usually servers like are just down for a week. And so yeah. I was expecting not to play yeah. for the whole week because yeah. I was just like, okay, well, we're just gonna wait until that all gets done. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but Dylan was Dylan is more into the like game playing the game every day to get all the things every day. And he started playing. He's like, this is amazing. Like. There are so many people playing, and there's not like there's doesn't feel like anything changed. Like it just huh. it feels like you know things load faster. Like mm-hmm. I'm I've oh. been noticing that the times between like 
going before you'd have to sit. Well, you still have to sit a little bit, but like going to a new planet took like five minutes, mm-hmm. not five minutes. It felt like five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but now it feels a lot faster. And okay. so I think like just expectation wise, I was totally blown away about how, about how well it went. Cool. So um, kudos to all the, the like devs who stayed up all night, probably working on that one. Um, yeah. Because I think it went off off without a hitch. Yeah, especially I, with all those things. I am actually now at least interested in Destiny Two because uh, my coworker Jason talks about it all the time, and he really wants me to try it. Um, now <laughs> you should it, play with us. <laughs> now that it's free to play, I'm willing to try it. But I'm not a huge fan of shooters, so I'm not really. It's a fashion it. game, though. <laughs> you can't even see your character. It's a first person shooter. When you're doing your ultimate, you can see your character. Oh, I'm not good. Okay. And like, isn't there like dances and stuff? And there are third to- person? all stuff. Uh, yeah, yes. And when you're on your speeder, it's third person. And <laughs> yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a try. Yeah. So that um, it's interesting. It's gone free to play because uh, uh, Google Stadia is coming out in about a month or so. Oh, yeah. And one of the things they offered to all the people who bought in early was free copy of Destiny and all its expansions. Oh, oh well, I mean, it's free to play, but I don't think you get access you to all of that, all of those expansions. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I'm not, I don't, I mean, there might be somebody who's upset about it. It's just yeah. kind of interesting, like, because uh, I, I bought into Stadia just because I want to sort of see everything, and mm-hmm. I didn't expect to be playing a lot of Destiny, but I'm like, yeah. at least I'll try it if it's just free in front of me. Right. But now it's free in front of me, I can just try it now. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I will. Oh, yeah. yeah well. We could do a fire team. Three of us. Yay. Whatever that is, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us or you want to hear more Star Trek news because <laughs> we know you love it. Yep. Uh, we need to know you're out there. So if you don't, we're still going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have much of a say in this. I know. I'm still here, right? <laughs> uh, so leave a review and, of course, tell all your friends, too, so that they can listen to us talk about Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, we want to hear directly from you, of course. So follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club, where my lovely wife Dale is doing our tweets. Dale's doing great, thank you, Dale. Uh, and you can contact us by email if you got any particularly long-winded questions you don't want anyone else to see. I can't imagine why. Uh, <laughs> contact at NiceGames.club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at NiceGames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.